Welcome to Wayne Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, August 28th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin. Let's weigh in. Welcome, everyone, and sorry for the technical difficulty. I had a little special surprise planned tonight, and it uploaded that file instead of my regular music file, so hope you all got a laugh out of it. It's always good to laugh, and speaking of being happy, everyone, uh, first of all, college football starts tomorrow. We've been waiting a long, long time for this day, and here we are on the eve of it, but we are without tonight. our special co-host, Trey Patterson, uh, just want to give him a shout-out. Everyone know that, that his family is going through a tragedy right now and just want everyone to send up their prayers and, and thoughts for him and everything, and, and he's he's going to be really missed, but he's going through a very, very difficult time with his family, so please make sure you just send some prayers out. We'll miss you, Trey. Uh, the co-host tonight's show is going to be Cuervo, and he's one of my close friends now. I met him through Block Talk Radio. We're going to be doing the show together. And we're going to have some fun. I mean, who's not ready for college football? I mean, we're going to have a big crowd tonight. This show is staff picked, and it will begin airing Friday at midnight. So we're excited about that. And just just thinking about it, guys, college football's here. And I, I know I've said this before. I've said it when we were three months out, four months out, two months out. Man, when we wake up in the morning, it's like Christmas. Here it is. I mean, it's uh, it's Christmas time. College football is here, and I don't care who's playing. It's still college football. And so I'm going to let the chat room fill up. Bruce Coward's in the house right now, so he's in the chat room. I hope we're not having difficulty. Bruce, if you hear me, if you can hear me good, can you give me a uh, shout-out on the chat room there? I don't have anybody to test with tonight. I'm waiting on Cuervo to call in. So let me know if you can hear me or you can't hear me or whatnot. But, yes, tomorrow night, Thursday night, it begins the fun. We're excited. Tonight's show, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of preview it for you. Uh, coach Derek Lett will be coming on. He's an assistant coach for the Tennessee Volunteers. He's going to let us know how the practices have been going and the preparation leading up to this first game. And, and even though it's Austin P, it's still a football game. You have to go out there and win it on the field. You can't win it on paper. So, Interested to hear from him now that the quarterback's been named for Tennessee. How are the practices going? What is the what is the mood like? Because once they get past these first two games, uh, the schedule is murder's row, and and I don't feel sorry for them at all. And I'm going to bring on tonight Cuervo. He's going to be co-hosting with me. Cuervo, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, sir? Brian, I'm good, man. I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to co-host with you on Way in Sports Talk. Um, this is my first time, so I'm kind of nervous. Uh, I've never uh-huh. done this before, so uh, you know, just uh, don't get mad at me if I mess this up. All right. Well, I'll just I'll just give Cuervo a shout out here. He's the co-host with Sonny Clark on that being said, and he also <laughs> does on campus with Cuervo. So he's done probably ten thousand shows to my what a hundred. I don't know. So he's not nervous. Trust me, he's a veteran. But but Cuervo, I mean. Trey wasn't excited about it, you know, last week. He didn't seem excited. But tell me, are you excited that football is here starting tomorrow? 
Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Hey, honestly, Brian, last night, I don't know if it was a combination of the fact that I just couldn't sleep and I just had things on my mind, but I, I only got like four hours of sleep last night. Um, you know, thinking about what's, you know, what's coming up in the next few days. We got, uh, you know, college football this weekend and, uh, you know, there's just a lot of exciting things going on. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited. I, I, and I'm just, that itch is definitely there now. I mean, especially tomorrow, tomorrow's the first day of college season. So I'm ready to roll. And tonight, like I was saying, we're going to preview 10 of the top games that I picked out. And, and we're going to preview the games, give you the point spread, give you who we think is going to cover the spread, who's going to win the game. Uh, it's going to be fun. And, and I don't know, I know a lot of college football fans out there know who Phil Still is. He's the one that writes, you know, he's Phil Still Magazine here, College Football Magazine. Uh, he couldn't join us tonight, but his right-hand man, Brandon Pertner, is going to join us in just a few minutes to talk some college football, Cuervo. So we get to talk to him, and since you're a big Tennessee ball fan, Coach Derek Letts going to join us to talk about those balls, so I'm sure that gets you a little excited. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I saw that on your uh, on the post on the Way In Sports Talk page, and I was like, ah, so this is why he asked me to co-host. Okay. Which, I, hey, I, I love it, though. You know, I, I've never, you know, obviously I haven't had the chance to talk to Coach Lett yet. Um, however, I will have the opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome to have him back on, taking time out of his busy schedule. He will be on at about ten, and in about just probably ten minutes, we're gonna we're gonna call Brandon to talk some college football. And man, I'm just—I mean, I know we've said it before. I'm just very excited, just looking through the menu. You know, the first week of college football—it's not—I mean, it's very important. I mean, that's—I mean, you don't know anything until you see them get out there, even though. People say Bama's going to kill Virginia Tech on paper. You look at it, until you play that game and see what a team has, I mean, you have an idea of what Alabama has, but you just never know what can happen in that first game. That's what that's what brings the excitement. Everybody's 0-0. Everybody is undefeated, Cuervo. Nobody's lost the game. So it's, that's what makes it exciting. I mean, we've been waiting so long for this. And some news in college football real quick. Johnny Manziel will be suspended the first half of the uh, the Rice game, Cuervo. I don't know if you heard about that. Um, give us your thoughts on that. And all I got to say on that, Brian, is good job, NCAA. Way to lay the hammer down, boy. They got Manziel real good on that one. Uh, he gets to sit out a whole half against Rice. Well, that that is really teaching him a lesson, Tarvino. I mean, man, I, I would hate to be in his shoes. Yeah, and I, I wanted to bring that up, and and here's the deal. You know, at least I'm I'm correct. I didn't say he would be suspended, and I was right, Cuervo. A half a game against Rice is still holds true. So, in a way, I was right. But if the evidence, if the evidence had come out, it would have been bad. But here's the problem, and I just put it out on on our way in sports message board. Someone brought this to my attention today and just asked me, and it got me thinking, brought back some bad feelings I have with Joe Shad at ESPN. And ESPN's been good to us, so I'm not bashing ESPN. I'm bashing Joe Shad. But, Cuervo, every time there's some kind of rumor, gossip, blown out of proportion story, it just seems like every time the name Joe Shad is, is the one bringing it out. So I remember this very well with Cam Newton a few years back. I mean, they just killed the guy, put his name in the mud, drug it around, and then Cam Newton's innocent. Well, here's the same thing with Johnny Manziel. 
drags his name through the mud, tries to damage his reputation, and all of a sudden Johnny Manziel is innocent. I mean, there's no proof. Whether they're innocent or not, there's still no proof to prove guilt. And, and my question to everybody out there, and Cuervo, I'll ask you, I mean, how long is ESPN going to continue to let this guy do this? I mean, he's killing their reputation, in my opinion. Hey, you know what? Uh, I almost called you Sonny. Uh, Brian, as long as, I mean, as, long as, <laughs> as long as he's bringing stories to, to the network, then it's, you know, this guy's going to be around. And whether we like it or not, I mean, this guy, you know, it must, it must seem like it's in his uh, job description to ruin uh, people's careers. Now, you know, at the same time, I mean, these guys, some of these guys are doing it on themselves, but I get what you're saying. It's like, you know, Joe showed, it seems like Joe Chad is that type of guy that he always wants to find the dirt he, and he, he enjoys bringing out the, 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 you know, the negative stories and things like that. So to me, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just part of his job. Maybe that's what they want him to do, but it, it does get kind of annoying though, where it, it's like, it, it seems like he, he enjoys, um, you know, trying to ruin people's careers and whatnot. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. He won't show up in Auburn again. I promise you that. I don't care what game it's going to be, Cuervo. I'm telling you from being an Auburn fan and talking to Auburn fans and seeing what he did, he's going to stay out of Jordan-Hare Stadium. I don't think he would come back if there was an undefeated Auburn versus undefeated Bama. He would stay that far away. Hey, but before we move on, we have a – a special birthday out there in the crowd tonight. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Happy birthday to you. That's Chris Melly, guys, in the chat room. This is big birthday today. I thought it sounded like Quinn, didn't it? singing that birthday song to him. But, Smelly, happy birthday, buddy. Even though you're an Alabama fan, we love you, buddy. Uh, thanks for joining us on your birthday. Hopefully this will be a special show for you. Cuervo, what I'm, what I'm trying to say with Joe Shad is, though, and, and people call in if you'd like to. I mean, he's just, to me, he's a, he needs to be working for the Inquirer almost. He doesn't have the reputation and the credibility to, to be at ESPN. I, I just wish that that somebody out there would step up and put him to the curb. And you're right. They may tell him to do this behind the scenes. We don't know that. But I would hate to be the one out there just stirring up drama and, and lies on people. And so that's just all I'm saying right there, Cuervo. I mean, it's just a sad day in sports when you have to rely on Joe Shad to give you the dirt. Yeah, and you know what would be even sadder, Brian, is is if that's not in his job description and he's just he just sucks that bad at his job where – he can't find other, any other stories, and he just, you know, kind of makes his own stuff up. Or any little any little thing that he hears about, it turns into uh, this big report. So that that would be even worse, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's, but here's the deal. And all the drama, we, we talk about it from January till now. But you know what? Tomorrow night, once that ball kicks off, it's not going to matter anymore. All these stories and all the drama. Johnny Manziel comes out against Rice and puts up six touchdowns in the second half. Nobody's even going to be talking about this anymore, Cuervo. It's over. As soon as the season starts, it's over. But as soon as Johnny Manziel screws up against Alabama or loses a game, I think 
I think that could be the time where it resurfaces a little bit. Well, yeah, and, and, and you know, Manziel's going to have a lot of attention this year. I mean, if, if he, you know, looks at somebody the wrong way, it's going to be a story for for a whole week until he plays his next game. So, um, if he hasn't learned by now, he better understand that throughout the season, if he thought he got a lot of attention in the off season, um, you know, he, he, he this this is nothing. This is nothing compared to the attention in the media that he's going to get uh, once once that you know once the second half of that game against Rice begins. Yes, and I'll tell you this: if Johnny Manziel wants redemption, if he wants everybody, you know, the only people that I mean, people love him in Texas A&M. Paul Ewing loves him too. He's a Florida fan for some reason. But if he beats Alabama, runs the table, puts him in a national championship game. All this drama doesn't matter anymore. He's a hero again. He'll win another Heisman Trophy if he does that. I don't know. Maybe they won't select him as a Heisman, but it's just going to be interesting. And Cuervo, take over real quick. And uh, if you want to continue on the college, I'm going to try to get in touch with Brandon in the studio here. And uh, just go ahead and continue with the show if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, not a problem, uh, Brian. As as Tarvino mentioned earlier, uh we're going to go over some games, uh, you know, top 10 of the week and things like that. And we're going to, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of NFL too. I know this is for the most part, it's, uh, you know, college football. However, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, NFL as well. So, uh, let's see if we get an answer here. It's Brandon. It's Brandon. Tarvino, you there? Anybody there? Oh, I guess I lost everybody, so that's that definitely is strange. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, but I guess we had we had him online for a minute. Uh, I don't know what happened to Tarvino. It sounds like everybody just kind of dropped off. So, <sighs> okay. Well, I guess I'm just going to take over until I hear Tarvino's voice. But um, yeah, you know, just yeah, exactly, Sonia. That's what I'm going to keep. I'm just going to I'm just going to roll. I'm just going to roll. Just <laughs> how you always say. But um, you there, Brian? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you, Cuervo, for for taking yeah, no, over. Right. We do, we 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 do have Brandon online, and and Brandon Pertner works with Phil Steele. Um, I have some questions, you know, about their top ten predictions and just conference predictions overall, possibly some Heisman. So for ten or fifteen minutes, we're going to have Brandon with us, and I'm going to bring him on the line. Brandon, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? Excellent. How are you, gentlemen, doing on this fine uh, Wednesday evening? And we're good. We're we're excited about what's about to take place starting tomorrow. I don't know how busy you guys are, but I'm, I'm sure you're very busy with football being right around the corner. 
Yeah, you know, I would say this week rivals uh, Magazine Week uh, as far as uh, the magazine, the last week that it goes out to press there in May is arguably our busiest uh, weeks of the year, and that even counts Bowl Week. That counts any week during the season. This week one, especially with there being so many games on Thursday and Friday, unlike most uh, weeks throughout the regular season, it's a very busy week for us, but I am very excited that college football now well, we're only 21 hours away from that kickoff of that big game between North Carolina and South Carolina. And it's going to be a big one, but the way I want to start, if you don't mind, Brandon, you know, everybody gets Phil Stills magazine here. They they look over it. And, and I agree with a lot of the, you know, the projections, the preseason top ten or whatnot, but I do have a question for you, and, and I'm sure a lot of people do. When I look at the number six team in your prediction, it looks like, Southern California, right, is number six in the in the top ten. That is exactly right. USC, a team that was arguably one of the more disappointed teams in the entire country last year, starting the season, preseason number one, finished up the season with six losses, including an embarrassing bowl loss to Georgia Tech in the Sun Bowl. You know, the, the talent that we think is still there, and we think this team is every bit as good and deeper and nearly every single position outside the quarterback with them having last year having Matt Barkley a four-year starting quarterback. But outside the quarterback spot, this team is stronger, deeper, more, and just as talented, if not more, than last year's team that everybody thought so highly of heading into the season. So uh, talent's there. Uh, that obviously, we're a little bit different compared to uh, the other publications and the other analysts. We don't mind uh, when the bandwagon's empty. We don't mind jumping back on board a USC team that that we think is very capable of winning ten games this year. When you look at their schedule, I think uh, they obviously have a chance to start off out of the gate four five and zero. Oh. They got a relatively easy non conference slate. Could take advantage of Notre Dame being without their quarterback Everett Golson that played quite well in that game last year. So you look at their schedule, first time since two thousand and three they don't play Oregon in the Pac twelve uh, in the regular season conference schedule at least. I, I I think USC is in store for a bounce back year and probably ten or eleven wins with them playing a thirteen game schedule. So Lane Kiffin being the coach of this team, does that concern you at all? If, if Pete Carroll was in Southern California, I'm sure you'd have him a lot higher, right? Well, I mean, you can't get too much higher than the number six. Yeah, and I'll agree with you. I mean, i, I got to say this, and this is me coming. Uh, obviously, Phil is the main man. He's the boss. I would have USC in my preseason top 25. I would not have him because of Lane Kiffin in my preseason top 10. That's just me talking. You know, I obviously have some worries with him. He, he is still living off of the, the, the end of the 2011 season where they caught fire, won four or five games in a row. Otherwise, he's been a disappointment in his first three years at USC. Well, well, there's one team in the rankings that a lot of teams, and I'm not very high on them this year, and, and they're ranked number 11 in your preseason top 40, Stanford. I mean, a lot of teams have them playing in the national championship. I have them taking a step back at three losses. I just want to get your thoughts on Stanford and why you have them ranked number 11. Well, prior to to that ranking, keep in mind, we we, we do a lot. Of, we cover all 126 teams, obviously. And uh, you look at Stanford, and the reason we had them lower there at number 11, we just started looking at their schedule. I think they got a chance to start off maybe 7-0, and and then – you look at the schedule starting on October 26th at Oregon State. Then they play Oregon at home on a Thursday night. They're at USC. 
They had their arch rival California, and then they finished the season against Notre Dame. A brutal stretch to end the season for them. So we were thinking probably a couple of losses to end there. I will say this, uh, Phil uh, did have a chance to talk to David Shaw at great length this summer, and Phil came out of that conversation a little bit worried that he had Stanford too low. He thinks uh, Stanford, you look at the defensive side of the ball with eight guys back, arguably has as much talent on that side of the ball as any team outside of Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So a very physical team on offense, especially in the offensive line. They have a couple of All-American candidates there. Kevin Hogan did a great job at quarterback coming down the stretch. That's a dangerous football team regardless of the tough schedule or not. Okay. Um, the number four team in your preseason did stump me. I have to admit, Brandon, I did scratch my head. So the Texas Longhorns seems to me, they seem like a team that, that Mac Brown is maybe not lost, but he doesn't have the grip on that team as he once had. But a Texas team, they won nine games last year. What do you like about this team to put them in your top four? Well, it starts, and I'll say this, it's now or never for Mac Brown. If he can't get it done this year, then he's never going to get it done. And the reason I make that comment, you just look at their overall experience. 19 returning starters back, quarterbacks are back, running backs are back, they have good skill position talent at wide receiver. Offensive line is the most experienced offensive line in the country with 124 career starts. Flip over to the defensive side of the ball, you got nine returning starters, you welcome back Jack, Jackson Jeffcoat, an All-American defensive end who missed half of last year. You welcome back Jordan Hicks, who was leading the team in tackles the first three games before he was out for the year. You got great talent in the secondary for them. 19 returning starters, a team that won nine games. A lot of people are down on a, on Texas because they only won nine games. Any other program out there outside of your your top ten teams, and we would be celebrating this team as an up-and-coming team. After Bottingman out after the, the national championship appearance in 09 with a 5-7 and seven record in 2010, he slowly got them back in the national title you know, contention, starting with this year with eight wins in 2011, nine wins last year. It's put-up-or-shut-up time for him. If he can't get it done this year, then he's never going to get it done in Austin, Texas. And, in fact, then I would agree with your statement if he has a couple of losses at the end of the year that he has lost a little bit from this team. they got to definitely compete with Oklahoma. They haven't done that in the last couple of years, losing back-to-back games by by 30-plus points. So that, you, you might as well start with that one. But I do think they have a relatively tricky st- uh, slate at BYU's week number two. Old Miss week three. Kansas State's had their number recently. You know, Phil probably has them a little bit higher than I would, to be honest with you. Just the fact of the schedule, I still think they have pre they have top ten talent. There's no question on that. We'll see if they can get it done or not. All right, Brandon, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the question over to my co-host here, Cuervo. Shoot. I appreciate it, Brian. Uh, Brandon, thanks for joining us tonight. I, I have a question about. Uh, I'm gonna go over to the ACC. I want to talk about the Clemson Tigers real quick. I, I find this team. To be kind of intriguing because, I mean, some people are high on them. Some people are are not as high on them just because of what they've lost uh, to the NFL and things like that. What what are you guys seeing in uh, the Clemson Tigers this year? Do you think Taj Boyd can continue to play at a high level, or um, do you think do you see him, uh, you know, declining in numbers? Yeah, no, I see him continuing to play at a high level. Uh, the thing that worries me about Clemson a little bit, obviously, a very talented team. You know, coming back from a bowl, a huge bowl win over LSU last year, that's why the expectations are so high for him and why a lot of people out there are high on him. 
Well, the thing that concerns me, I go back to the season finale last year against South Carolina. That was the time where they needed to, to win that and break that losing streak against their in-state rival. Hey, Jadavian Clowney dominated the game with four and a half sacks. I was very disappointed with Taj Boyd's performance in that game, losing at home to South Carolina, a game that they led at halftime, in, and they just were absolutely manhandled the line of scrimmage in the second half. We'll see what they're going to be made of opening week here in a couple of nights. They get another SEC power in Georgia. And then you look at the rest of their schedule, they get a key game against Florida State. That one probably the winner-take-all in the ACC Atlantic. And then they finish up the season at South Carolina, their rival that has owned them here recently. So I pretty much think it's a three-game schedule. You know, you got one in the middle to open up the – I mean, you got one at the season opener. You got one in the middle with Florida State. You got one at the very end. So we'll see if they can – you know, I think reasonably they should win at least one of those, maybe two of them. But the thing with Clemson is I could see him winning two of those three games. But the thing with Dabo Sweeney you got to look out for is uh, a, a game where they don't have the focus and they're always prone to, to getting upset in a game. So overall, I'm going to go with Clemson about 10-2 ten, ten this year. I think they can beat one of the big boys, and, and they might obviously drop one and get upset somewhere. I can't particularly tell you which one at Maryland after the Florida State game might be a dangerous one. Yeah, Brandon, uh, great answer. Thanks for that, by the way. And this is uh, Brandon Pertner. Uh, he works with Phil Steele, and we appreciate you joining the show tonight. Uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies, y'all have number 12 on the list. They played number one Alabama this weekend. So so look at the Virginia Tech. Do, do you think they are number 12 and that they do have a chance to, to upset Alabama this weekend in Atlanta? Well, with some of the recent injuries that 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 they've had, uh, they're probably maybe a little bit higher ranked there at that number twelve spot. And again, I'll go back to the fact that we released our magazine over three months ago. And today's day, you know, twenty years ago when we started the magazine, you know, three months time in the off season didn't seem that long. But with today's day and age, and technology, and the information age, and kids. You know, maybe not getting in – they're getting more in trouble, but more is being reported. So, you know, three months past here, Virginia Tech has had some injury concerns. They, they've had some guys that are going to be out for the year. One thing I still like about them, nine returning starters on a defense that at the end of last season only gave up 80 rush yards per game down this stretch. So they're quite formidable still up front. Offense, they're going to be in for it this week because they're going to, in the first time in Frank Beamer's 27 years, they are going to start a true freshman and left tackle against Alabama. They've had injury concerns at running back. They don't have a lot surrounded by Logan Thomas. You know, God, God bless them this upcoming Saturday. No, I do not give them much of a chance to win the game. Their best bet is to keep it within three touchdowns, is to rely on their defense to maybe, you know, take advantage of an Alabama offensive line that's their only question mark on Alabama's team this year. So I think, you know, it'll be lower scoring, but I think overall expect Alabama to win the game by at least 17 points. So, no, I don't give them much of a chance. But I do give them much of a chance in a lot of their other ball games. And the reason we like them in the ACC, they don't have to play Florida State and they don't have to play Clemson from the opposite side of the division. So the key game is going to be on November 9th at Miami, Florida. You know, right now, I would probably give the edge to Miami. I've been quite impressed with some of the guys they've added in the last couple of months, including a Wisconsin defensive end that started 13 games last year. So, overall, I think 
outside of those two games, uh, if they take care of business, this should still be a team that that, that goes nine and three. You know, outside shot at ten and two. Uh, this this was a program prior to last year's seven wins that had eight consecutive seasons of winning at least ten ball games. So I, I don't think they're too far off uh, this year and getting back to at least nine or ten wins. All right, looking looking at the Ole Miss Rebels, Brandon. That's a team that that a lot of people are high on this year. Uh, you know, watching them last year with the season they had, almost beating LSU, playing some teams very close. Uh, how much of a chance do you give these guys to compete in the SEC West and, and possibly upset some of the big dogs like Alabama, LSU, or Texas A&M? Well, I give them a solid shot. You just go back to, to last year's team had LSU on the ropes in that game. They lost by six on the road. I thought they competed quite well even in a 19-point loss against Alabama and had Texas A&M. They were up 10 against Texas A&M last year, went for it uh, on their own side of the 50-yard line on a questionable fourth and one, didn't make it. Texas A&M took advantage, scored, game over. So it was kind of a questionable call for Hugh Freeze. But if they make that fourth and one, that would have been game over, and they would have pulled an upset against Texas A&M last year. I think the key to their season probably is tomorrow night at Vanderbilt. I think the winner there really takes a step as a program as being top 25 caliber. They do have to play at Texas. We already talked about Texas. Texas destroyed them last year, 66-31. to Then they're at Alabama, at Auburn. Auburn's going to be tough just because it's a road game, at second back-to-back road game, so that's a tough one. Then you look, they have Texas A&M, LSU, so it's a brutal start to the season as far as the first seven games. I think if they come out of it four and three, they're in very good shape because I, I think they roll their last five opponents, Idaho, Arkansas, Arkansas, Troy, Missouri, at Mississippi State. If they come out of it four and three in the first seven games, maybe pull an upset against maybe A&M at home now. We'll see with uh, the whole Manziel situation. Uh, this is a team perfectly capable of eight, nine wins this year. All right, Cuervo. Yeah, um, you know, I, I had a question about um, – you know, as far as schedules are concerned, Brandon, um, a lot a lot of people are into, um, you know, some of these, you know, these games that they're starting to have now in week one. For example, you were, we were talking about Alabama, Virginia Tech, uh, Georgia, Clemson. I, I don't know, maybe I maybe I just don't remember, but even ten years ago, you wouldn't see week one schedules like this. Now, I personally think. They should have more games like this. Do you agree with that, or do you think it's do you think uh, games like this should be happening more into the season when when all teams are are kind of you know primed and, and ready to play their best football? I mean, wh- what's your take on on these week one games that have been uh, being set up here in the past few years? No, I'm completely all for it, and I think there needs to be more marquee non-conference games. It's easier to tell who's better in the country when you got more marquee non-conference games. If no one's playing one another as far as the big conference, like the Big Ten's not playing the SEC outside of playing each other in a bowl, it's very you know tough to distinguish which team is better when no one else in the country is playing one another. I agree with you. Ten years ago, you didn't have as many of this, but I will say this. Twenty or twenty-five years ago, when you had maybe ten major programs that were still independent, and I was talking Notre Dame, Penn State, Florida State, Miami, all those schools were still independent about twenty-five years ago. They all played one another, so it was easy to kind of tell 
you know, who really was one of the better teams in the country. I completely agree with you. There should be – you look at the big boys like Alabama, your Ohio State, and some of your the LSUs of the world, they should be playing at least one marquee non-conference game each year. It's good for college football. It's good for the fans. It's good for TV ratings. It's good for the overall sport. So I wish they would play more of them. We'll see as we go in the future with the playoff coming up and a lot of conferences moving to a nine-game conference schedule. I think we might be seeing the the last of some of this and maybe at the height of, for the near future because I can't see a lot, of, a lot of conferences playing another marquee game when they're already going to be playing nine conference games. Yeah, I, you know, I just think it. I think it's a you know a good thing just for the fact that, especially for for guys out there that. Uh, you know, that aren't as much into the college football uh, environment and they're more into the NFL, it, it, it brings a bigger crowd, in my opinion. I think it's going to attract more people when you have big games like that. But uh, my last question for you, Brandon, before uh, I you know, turn it back over to uh, Brian, uh, I'm a Tennessee Vols fan, so I want to get your real quick, uh, your opinion on how my Tennessee Vols are going to do this season. Well, the one thing I really like about Tennessee this year, and while we're a little bit more – it, it, we think highly of them more than a lot of other people. Is and it starts as a line of scrimmage with them. You look at their offensive line. I think it's a top ten offensive line in the country. 123 career starts, and they got a couple of guys that are all conference caliber. And their left tackle Antonio Richardson is, you know, a guy they might might get a look as far as being a possible first round draft choice. You flip over to the defensive line, and you you, you start with the, the 370 pound defensive tackle and Daniel McCullers. And they call him Shade Tree. And they got a couple other guys that can get after the quarterback. So when if you're building a team in the SEC, you got to build it from the inside out. And I'm talking at the line of scrimmage first before you even start talking skill position. I like that. I like the fact that they open up with a couple of games that they should easily win. I like that they have Auburn at home. I outside of the the non-conference game against Oregon, they should be three and one in non-conference play. I think they're perfectly capable of beating Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Reasonable expectation for Tennessee this year is to get to a bowl at 6-6, six and six, win a bowl, have a winning record for the first time since 2009 when actually Lane Kiffin was on the sidelines. But the reason a lot of people are down on them is the fact that they lost their quarterback, Tyler Bray, lost two stud-wide receivers, and most people, when they're analyzing a team in the preseason, they look at who's coming back at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. And it just so happens that Tennessee has lost a lot of talent there. But because of the line of scrimmage, I think Tennessee gets to at least six wins this year. They get to a bowl in their first year under Butch Jones. Okay. Uh, so that's some great information there. And, and a team that, that everybody has projected to win, Alabama, Brandon, is there a team out there, I mean, even if it's in the SEC, that can actually dethrone Alabama and maybe possibly a team that could dethrone the SEC and win a championship? Uh, it's tough for me uh, to say that because I actually think Alabama's team is better than last year's team. And keep in mind, last year's team barely got by LSU in the regular season, lost to Texas A&M, barely got by Georgia in the regular season. So they had some struggles in three or four ball games last year. But you look at their skill position talent, I would argue is the best they've ever had at Alabama under Nick Saban. It starts with their quarterback, A.J. McCarron. T.J. Eldon's going to be a stud, a running back running for 1,000 yards as a freshman. Wide receivers clearly are the best that they have here in the last five, six years. Uh, as far as depth-wise, they don't have a Julio Jones, but they got a lot of talent there. It starts with Amari Cooper. 
Only question on the offensive side of the ball is how do you replace three All-Americans on the offensive line? Well, I'll tell you how, because they probably have two or three All-American caliber players this year, including Quanjo uh, at left tackle. Flip over to the defensive side of the ball. They're a lot more experienced this year than what they were a year ago. Seven returning starters on that side of the ball. you got the best linebacker core in the country, led by C.J. Mosley. Nick Saban really takes uh, care of coaching up the defensive backs. No concern there. They don't have any studs uh, as far as the front three or four guys go on the defensive line, but they do their job, they plug their holes, and they allow the linebackers to make a lot of the plays. You look at their schedule, bye week prior to A&M, bye week prior to LSU. Yeah, I think they win both of those games. Now, are are they unbeatable? No, I, I don't think so. You look at the last three years, they've lost a home game in each of the last three years. So they could slip up. I don't see them slipping up twice. And I think that if you don't want Alabama to play in the title game, the national title game, they're going to have to lose two games because I think you give them the benefit of the doubt. As long as you know, an LSU is in a team that, that beats them and LSU goes undefeated, I, I expect Alabama even at 11-1 and one, to play in the SEC title game, which could be the one team that, that could trip them up, and that's the Georgia Bulldogs if they play them once again. I think Georgia's absolutely loaded on the offensive side. Across the country, who can beat them? I mean, Ohio State is getting there with Urban Meyer. I still think they're a year or two away as far as recruiting classes go. They might face each other in the title game. Stanford is very physical at the point of attack, but I'll say this. Notre Dame, you know, what dominated the line of scrimmage against Stanford and Alabama wiped the floor with Notre Dame uh, last year in the national title game. Alabama gets the national title game, folks. We've seen it the last two years. No shot of any team beating them. And so while I think they could slip up in the regular season like we've seen, once you give Nick Saban extra time to prep, that unbelievable supporting staff that they have there, and to give those players time to look at film, if they get to the title game, they're going to make college football history and three, become the first-ever team to three-peat. Yeah, I have that feeling as well. I, I I don't think they have a shot to lose if they make it. But but give us this. I'm gonna give you a scenario. Say Notre Dame runs their schedule. Say they're undefeated this year. Say you have Ohio State undefeated through the Big Ten, and then you have a a 12 and one Alabama team that won the SEC championship game. Does does Alabama get left out? I don't think so. And just the fact. They would have got left out had Ohio State been eligible last year. I, I really do think that. I think Ohio State and Notre Dame probably would have played for the title. But the fact that Alabama crushed Notre Dame so bad in that football game last year, I still think if they win the SEC championship at 12-1, and they got to be playing for the title. So I actually think while Notre Dame would have more marquee wins and have played a much tougher schedule than Ohio State, I think there would be some bias against Notre Dame, the fact that they got crushed so bad the year prior. I think uh, the voters in this last year, the BCS, would want to see Urban Meyer take on Nick Saban. So in that case, I would have Alabama playing Ohio State, even though I thought Notre Dame would probably have a lot more marquee wins than the Buckeyes would have at that point. All right. Well, Brandon, man, great stuff, and and I look forward to hopefully having you again soon. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight, and I hope you have as much fun this weekend as as we're going to have. Definitely. Favorite time of the year, just one day away. Can't wait for it, guys. Good talking to you tonight. Good talking to you. Thank you. That was Brandon Pertner. He works with Phil Steel. Great information. Uh, I appreciate the interview. Thanks for coming on. Cuervo, that was a lot of information. Great stuff there. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, when you when you ask to break something down, uh, that guy breaks it down for you pretty good. So uh, you know, he was he was definitely talking about 
how Tennessee built, you know, from the inside out. And <laughs> I'll be honest, I mean, I didn't quite catch that, you know, that that's what they were, that's what their plan was. However, you know, that's what they're doing. So, hey, that's a lot of information. Well, we're going to take a caller real quick before we go to commercial break. Three, two, one, area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Uh, this is Joe. Hey, Joe. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Brian? How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon is extremely knowledgeable. You can tell Phil is uh, definitely, definitely uh, threw some knowledge his way. Oh, he did, man. He could go on and on. I, I bet we could have had a five-hour show tonight and just talking about all these teams. He knows his stuff. Yeah, I definitely. I I was I was getting schooled just listening to Dan. So it was great education. I just was sick of hearing about Texas and USC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised at those two, but you never know. I mean, the guys think outside the box. They have some. Predictions different than mine. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It's just I'm just like to see people, you know, with different projections of why he had some good reasoning, you know, for his projection. So we'll just see if they work out. Well, I definitely agree with his uh, assessment that uh, Mac Brown is just pretty much on his last leg. Yeah, he's gone. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to finish very high. I think you know, even even if nine and three, I think Mac needs to go. If he doesn't win the Big 12, I mean, I just think he, I think he should have been gone years ago, actually. I think he lost control just several years ago. I think Texas would be in a much better place right now if Mac Brown was gone. But uh, it's just hard when you have a coach that's been there as long as he has and has done as much for a program than he has. It's hard to get rid of it. Everybody said that they they would never fire Bobby, but they forced him out. And uh, that they're going to do the same exact thing with Mac Brown as well. And I have a feeling if it's not going to be during the season this year, it, it, it'll definitely be after the season. They'll let him exit gracefully, obviously, because of all he's done for Texas. But I, I, I think he's a dead man walking, if you ask me. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. Thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate you calling in. And uh, we got to go to a commercial break real quick. We did have a couple of studio issues early, but we'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt? Or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt. Well, ActionWare Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. We are back, and we just had Brandon Pertner on the line with us to, to break down some college football. And for all of you that don't know, he helps Phil Still. Uh, if you don't know Phil Still, then you don't follow college football. So we want to thank him for coming on with us. Cuervo, I'm ready to get into some college football talk. What about you? Brian, I'm always ready, so I'm ready to fire away when you are, my friend. And these games are in no particular order. I mean, it's not – this is the – I looked at ten games on the board, you know, that I thought they were relevant and close. The point spreads weren't too far away. Um, the biggest spread that I took was Alabama-Virginia Tech. That game's big because Alabama's the defending champions, and it's a – Virginia Tech's a big-time program. Whether they play big-time Saturday night, they're going to get introduced to the big boy league, Cuervo. I mean – 
it's not an easy task. You have to open up with Nick Saban having a long time to prepare for you. So I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing for Virginia Tech. I, I mean, I, I don't see it as a very good thing because, to me, I, I feel like Virginia Tech has fallen off. They're not the team that they used to be uh, even five years ago, let alone ten years ago when they were competing for a national championship. So I think I think Virginia Tech is way in over their head for their first game. And uh, what, what's that spread one more time, uh, Brian? What's that spread? It is 21-and-a-half right now. Alabama is a 21-and-a-half point favorite in a neutral side. If that game was in Tuscaloosa, it would probably be 28. They probably would, and uh, I think I think either way Alabama covers. I mean, it, it go back to last year, and everybody thought that game between Alabama and Michigan was going to be close, and Denard Robinson, and this and that. And I, I stuck with my guns. I said, "There's no way uh, Alabama is going to blow them away." And you know that's pretty much what happened. So uh, I don't expect anything different, especially you know if you paid attention to what Brandon was saying. He pretty much said. Hey, this year's Alabama's team is even better than last year's. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about the opponent, Virginia Tech, like I said, I mean, they're not they're not what they used to be. So, I, I don't – I expect this game to be over probably by the end of the first quarter, let alone halftime. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Logan Thomas last year in the ACC, the quarterback for Virginia Tech. I mean, he struggled. He did take a step back last season, barely completing, what, 50% of his passes. And that's playing uh, defenses that aren't just top-notch. I mean, ACC defenses aren't terrible by no means. But it's not like playing Alabama and what they're going to bring at him. So I'm worried about the quarterback situation for Virginia Tech. I do think Logan Thomas is the key to this game for Virginia Tech to keep it close. He has the to get some confidence early, throw in some short passes, uh, because I, I, I have a feeling about this, and it's just a feeling just trying to play it in my mind, that he's going to throw a couple of picks early. And I think once he does that, Cuervo, I think the, it's going to come unravel for them. They have no running game right now. I actually think they're trying to put, put wide receivers at the running back position. If you can't run the ball and you become one-dimensional against Alabama, it's not going to be good. But one thing they have going for them is Logan can run and throw. He can create plays and coverage breaks down. He can keep the play going. So it's all on his shoulders, Cuervo, if they're going to have any chance to keep this game close. Without a doubt, Brian. I mean, for Logan Thomas, he's going to have to play mistake-free football. And against an Alabama defense, that's going to be – Really hard to do. Probably the toughest things he's ever he's ever had to do in his in his college career. And the way he can do that is like you said. I mean, short passes. Don't go for the long ball. You know, Alabama can can deceive you in many different ways. They can make you think something's open, and then before you know it, somebody like Clinton Dix is over there picking the ball off on the sideline. So, you know, I, I just I just think that. They're going to have to play, and you're going to see it. And, and I guarantee you Frank Beamer is going to go con- extremely conservative to start this game out. I think he just wants to test the water, see where his team stands against you know, the number one team in the nation. And uh, some second quarter, I think you're going to see them open it up a little bit more, you know, be a little more aggressive, and that's, that's when, you know, the game's going to be over. So I think the only way Virginia Tech really has a shot in this game, Brian, is like I said, mistake-free football offensively, and they're going to have to get very fortunate on the defensive side with a, with the, either a, a couple of turnovers 
or maybe maybe they can get some you know magic that they've had in the past with the special teams. Well, the matchup I like in this game is, and it's crazy. I mean, you're probably going to laugh when I say this. I like Virginia Tech's defense to be able to match up with Alabama's offense early in the season. I mean, Alabama has their best receivers they've ever had. T.J. Yeldon's a beast. But let's keep in mind, they did lose three All-American linemen on that offensive line, and Virginia Tech returns almost everyone. They're secondary, all seniors and juniors, and that all, all of their defensive linemen are back. They are kind of thin at linebacker. But I think with Bud Foster there, being a veteran, being able to prepare his players, uh, Beamer's a good coach. I mean, you have to give it give respect to him. I think this game's going to be closer than people think. The line went up to 21 and a half, and I think that's just a tad too high. I don't think Nick Saban's going to be looking to just blow someone out right now. He has bigger things on his mind. So if I'm taking this game right now, I'm taking 21 and a half points. I don't think it's going to get any higher than that. I think it might come down to about 20. But I think that half a point, Cuervo, gives you a lot of protection in this game because I really don't think that Nick Saban's going to try to run these guys out. I think he's going to get up to a lead. I think he's going to grind it out, use that running game, get some experience on that offensive line, really. Blocking, I think it's closer than people think it's going to be. I think 21 and a half is way too much right now. Um, I mean, I could see that happening. You know, I mean, like you said, I mean, Get some of these these guys get ready, get them ready for next season when they become starters and whatnot. I I don't know. I just think, in reality, um, I, I think the total opposite. I think Nick Saban is the type of guy, the type of coach that he wants to send a message at the beginning of the season, like, "Hey, we're Alabama, and we're not going anywhere." So, uh, I, I tend to go on the other side, Brian. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the you know, I'm gonna give the points. That, that's what I meant okay. to say. I'm going to give the points. I think I think Alabama wins this game by four touchdowns. Hey, I can see it. I mean, I'm not saying they won't, but I'm just saying it scares me if I'm given that many points just because I look at the variables of the defense. But this is going to be – I mean, I want it to be an entertaining game. I want to set my DVR to record and be able to watch it and be entertained a little bit. But, man, Alabama – I mean, they've reloaded. I mean, these guys everywhere, every position is a five-star. So, even though they lost those linemen, somebody else is is getting bigger, stronger to take their place. So, it's going to be a good game. But the bottom line overall, Alabama will win this game, Cuervo. That's really all that matters. I'm just having some fun with the point spread tonight. So, Alabama wins big in this game. And the next game we're going to talk about, South Carolina is at home against the North Carolina team that a lot of people are saying it's dangerous right now. They have a good coach, uh, the offense. They have a three-year starting quarterback in the system. They're high-tempo, Cuervo. Give me, give me your prediction right here on North Carolina. Can they move the ball on South Carolina, and can they pass with Clowney getting that pass rush? Well, I mean, I, I definitely think they can. It's just all about identifying where he is on the field on every play. Now, I've, I've, necess- I've not necessarily – pay too much attention to it, but, you know, something that that I learned uh, within the past couple of days, just, you know, listening to talk and things like that is, you know, Clowney doesn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but it sounds like Clowney doesn't even play every defensive snap. Now, I, I find that hard to believe because every time you turn around, the guy's making a play, but from what I've heard, you know, he doesn't play every defensive snap, and I think that's 
something that North Carolina has to take advantage of. Whenever he's not on the field, they they have to take shots, you know, uh, against the South Carolina defense. So I think that's that's going to be the most important thing. And like you said, I mean, for for, the th- for a three-year quarterback, that has to be his number one priority is identifying Clowney on every single snap, every single play, um, you know, making sure is he even on the field. So and and when he's not, hey, you know, make a change on the line and take some shots. I mean, this game, it's a road game, but, hey, you have to go out there and you have to make a statement week one. So I think North Carolina's in a situation where they have to be very aware of what's going on, um, you know, when when they're on offense. Well, if you, if you remember last year's game, South Carolina opened up with Vanderbilt. I mean, they looked terrible. They had no kind of consistency. They couldn't get any rhythm. And without Lattimore on this team, I am a little concerned that, that we could see the same thing. But this is a Connor Shaw that's a senior now. He's backed up by Dylan Thomas. And don't think Spurrier will not yank Connor Shaw out, Cuervo, if he throws a pick or two and, and put another quarterback in. But I look at this South Carolina team as a good team. I think they're good enough to win this SEC Eastern Conference this year if the chips fall right. But, I mean, it's a big point spread early in the season. They're favored right now 13 points. They're at home giving up 13 points, Cuervo. And, honestly, I kind of like South Carolina to cover this game. Yeah, I, I do too, uh, Brian. I don't I don't see North Carolina. I, I'm not saying they're a bad team. I just think, again, this is another one where – North Carolina, and and this one is is a actual road game compared to the you know Bama and Virginia Tech who we just talked about. This is an actual road game. It's not even a neutral site. So um, I think North Carolina could be in for for some trouble, you know, real quick. Yeah, I totally agree, and and probably everyone in the chat room does six four six seven one six five five six four. Give us a call, and of course tonight we're, we have our segment, uh, Confessions of a College Football Junkie. If you think you're the biggest college football junkie out there, give us a call in, give us your story. I know Sonia has Sonia and Jason have a big story, and I'm surprised they didn't call in the other night, but I think it's good enough, Cuervo, that they win this competition outright. I don't care how many callers call in, so call in 646-716-5564, and Coach Derek Lett will be joining us very soon. And during this time, um, we're going to take a break right now. We do have Sonia and Jason on the line. What's up, guys? What's up, Tarvino? It's Tarvin. Oh, just chilling, man. It's Christmas morning tomorrow, so I'm waking up early. Oh, I know. Jason's going to come home early so he can see his gophers. And I'm leaving work early. <clears throat> <laughs> well, guys, I have to. I have to ask. I have to get you to tell your story real quick. I mentioned it on air Sunday night. Our new segment, Confessions of a College Football Junkie. I want to take a break from our games just to let Sonia tell the story of, you know, how what it's like to be a college football junkie here. Well, when you're a college football junkie, <clears throat> when you plan your wedding and you find out that kickoff is the exact time that you're supposed to be getting married and you you change it so that way you don't miss kickoff. <laughs> we, we originally had our, our wedding scheduled for said time in a week. A week before we flew up there, Sonia came to me and said, "Baby, pick off at the same time of our ceremony. We got to bump it an hour." So I sent out an email to my entire family. We're moving it up to ten thirty. 
And as soon as soon as the ceremony was over, we went back to the house. I changed into my Bama shirt, got the laptop because we're in Minnesota, so of course, you know, you don't we were playing Kent State. Yeah, you don't get the SEC up there. And as people were coming in, we're saying hello, and I'm like, hi, how you doing? Oh, hold on one second, because <laughs> I'm watching the game. <laughs> so we did that, and then also everyone in our in our circle knows number one on Saturdays. First of all, when at the end of from the end of August till January, don't invite us to weddings. You better not die because we're not going to come to your funeral unless you're a close relative, <laughs> unless you're Jesus, my son, or one of our moms. We will not answer the phone. We will not answer the door. It's just not going to happen. And we also we've canceled a lot of things that we were invited to. We're just like, no, nah, football's on. It's not going to happen. And if you come over. You're going to be watching football. Oh yeah, like don't don't try to have a conversation. I've, I actually lost a friend because she actually tried to call me and, and have a conversation about a relationship issue. I'm like, girl, I ain't got time to talk about that. <laughs> Bama's on the field, so we are true college football junkies. I even um, we even arrange our work schedules to make sure that we uh, we get our football in. Yeah, Friday nights we basically sit down, look through the schedule. We picked the, the games that we're going to watch. Of course, we're going to watch Minnesota and Alabama. And Alabama. But then we pick, you know, throughout the day which games we are going to personally watch. And we pretty much sit in front of the 60-inch plasma and, <laughs> and on the, our laptops and yeah. we watch football all day Saturday. Jason, what time do you wake up? What time do you guys wake up on a Saturday morning to get ready? Okay, oh. generally – because my dad always said, you know, he's like, Jason, unfortunately, as you get older, you get up earlier. I religiously wake up on the weekends at 7 o'clock in the morning, sometimes earlier. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I'm basically downstairs watching, you know, pregame stuff and ESPN, <clears throat> Big Ten Network, um, seeing what they're saying. Son, you're still sleeping at this point. <laughs> By about eight thirty, nine o'clock, I make her first cup of tea. She's downstairs on the couch, and we're watching College Game Day. We got it on, and uh, and I'll tell you one more story. My, a friend of mine was giving birth. <laughs> this, is, this is funny. A friend of mine, I was her coach, and she was giving birth, and the child just happened to decide to be born on a day Bama was playing, and I had to call her. I was like, uh-uh, honey, I ain't gonna make that. <laughs> I'll see you when she get here. She ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I actually had to call her mom until I was like, I can't, no, I can't, no, 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 no. So that just lets you know that, and even with, with if we, you know, luck up, if we're blessed with a child, we even have it planned where I will not be due during football season. It's not going to happen because if it happens, Jason already knows we've got a backup plan, plan B. We're going to induce early. Yeah, no, 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 the other one, like oh. if the baby comes. Uh, no, we're going to have it set up. We're going to have it set up so that in the in the labor and delivery room, we've got the TV on, and if the doctor says push, it better be during halftime or before or after the show and we'll be or streaming, the game. And we're going to be streaming the game on a phone. Yeah. So, Guys, yeah, I have to admit, I have to admit, Sonia, that I don't know if anybody else will call in tonight because – I really don't think they – I think they're scared to try to even top your story because I've heard a lot of stories, trust me, but you guys are college football junkies. There's no doubt. Cuervo, what do you think? Oh, we've been waiting for this for months. <laughs> yeah, I just give them the award now, Brian. Wow. 
And usually, usually it's not the it's not the woman with a wedding day. That's what she looks forward to. But when the when the woman here changes the time of the wedding, I, I could imagine. I got married on October sixth, guys, and it was Auburn played Vanderbilt that day, and their wedding was in the afternoon late. But I, I had a feeling, you know, like what if Auburn played later in that day? What would have happened? That's what I was afraid of. That's why, you know, getting married was the best thing I've ever done. But you know, getting married during college football season is risky because well, what if what if you're real good on that Saturday your anniversary falls? That's scary, oh, right? I'm just, dude. Look, we even had if if something happened and the pastor couldn't make it, I already told Jason I was like, bring your phone because I'm telling you, in between vows, I'll be like, hold up, <laughs> I need to uh, see this play. Darwin, <laughs> picture this: my four brothers and me and Sonya huddled around the laptop watching Bama. At our rece- right after we got married, <laughs> and all of his friends were like, "Where can I get one of those?" <laughs> they were like, "Where can I get a woman like that?" I am a true. I grew up watching football. I love football, and it's all sports all the time. I will change a schedule. To me, there's no January through December. It's the beginning of football season and the end of football season, and everything else in between is just counting down. See, and it always works, Tarvin, because my Gophers are so bad. They're always playing at one o'clock, religiously. So on our schedule, we can always count on Gophers are the early game, and Bama. It just depends on the matchup. It's either going to be three o'clock or a night game. So we hardly ever, well, never actually, yeah. does Bama conflict with Minnesota. So <laughs> we're yeah. good. We're always good. And when you come to our house, every television we've got. Two laptops, wait, no, it's three laptops now, four televisions, um, two desktops with three monitors, and every single one has a separate game on it. If you go to the bathroom, you can watch a game. That's how we have it set up. <laughs> Seriously. And now I turned her into an NFL junkie because on Sundays. Oh, it's we, NFL Red Zone. Yeah, we just basically <laughs> sit there with our laptops and fantasy football and watch NFL Red Zone all day. Yeah, so we oh, when uh, we say we're the the sports junkies or the football junkies, we definitely are. It's yeah, like we, crack. Yeah, we, <laughs> we love football. That's all. That's well, all guys, that matters. Well, guys, I appreciate y'all coming on, and I'd like to experience a game one Saturday with y'all. And uh, thanks for coming on, Jason and Sonia Cuervo. I don't think anybody can touch that story tonight. If you want to, try to six four six seven one six five five six four. I think Jonathan might be jealous in the chat room because. He, he wants to be a college football junkie, Cuervo. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just uh, not not everybody is as hardcore as the uh, as the, um, the Mensons are. So that that's that's tough to beat. I'll tell you that. But I will agree, as far as NFL Red Zone is concerned, um, that that is my drug throughout the winter time. If I don't have that on Sundays, then uh, I am one cranky person that week. Yeah, I'm over there looking at my, uh, like during church on Sunday, looking at the phone, looking down, okay, it's 12 o'clock, dude. We have one hour. I have to get home. I have to eat lunch now. I'm getting jittery. I don't want an altar call, you know. You have to be careful about that on Sundays during the NFL season. So the, my my suggestion is find a pastor that's an NFL fan as well. But thanks, guys, for coming on. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware Screen Printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, 
shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. And we are back, and before we get started, Cuervo, we have eight games left. We're going to fly through here in a minute, but we do have a caller uh, from the 678 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? What's going on, man? You know this uh, Tino Tino the Great on the phone right now. I just heard that, oh, uh, no. that story they just called in with a while ago, and it was very it was very entertaining, to say the least. So can you top it? That's the question. Can you top Listen, it? Listen, man, everybody knows. Everybody knows that I'm the biggest college football junkie. It is, period. Um, first of all, I could care less about the NFL. My whole entire life schedule around college football season is based upon college football season. My kids' birthdays, all the parties are scheduled on Sundays. Everything we do is scheduled on Sundays. All family events canceled on Saturdays uh, throughout the season unless Auburn has an off day. I'm not what you can say as big as college football junkie. Some people, I love Auburn. I do watch other college football games. I'm not going to – I've got a good friend of mine who said earlier, I'm going to put Alabama on DVR. I could care less what Alabama's doing. I'm not going to watch that game because I could care less. I'll check them out on ESPN and watch the highlights. But since I was a kid growing up in, in, in Palmerdale, Alabama, I was forced to sit there and watch Auburn, Alabama every year. We watched every Auburn, every Alabama game throughout my entire life. And I, I grew up to this day doing the same thing, letting my kids – but my kids can pick who they want to cheer for or who they want to pull for or anything like that. But like they said earlier, the wedding thing and all that, I mean, that, that's fine and that. But I know better than to schedule a wedding on a Saturday or anything like that going through college football season. Everything is scheduled on a Sunday. I wouldn't dare interfere with college football season because that's all I, I – I, I wake up, first thing I want to see is Kirk Kerbstreet and uh, – and Lee Corso, I look forward to watching them. I look forward to watching Lou Holtz spitting all over my TV every single weekend. Those are the things that I love about college football. Sonia and them have a great story. Everybody has a great story. You can sit back and, and ask my wife anything. I'll, I'll stay up to midnight Friday doing whatever house things I need to do to make sure on Saturday morning I'm already either going to Auburn or either on my way to Auburn to the game or wherever we're going out of town. That you know that that's my college football story. It might not be better than some people's, but to me, you know, I know I'm a college football junkie. I got flags flying from uh, January to January. Auburn flags, no matter no matter if it's our swim teams competing next week, I got an Auburn flag up. I don't care because my flag flies 24/7, 365. Well, Tino, Sonia made a good point. She wanted to ask a question. Auburn only. What about the other teams? Are you do you follow other teams at all? Yes and no. Do I follow them? Nah, I ain't gonna follow them on Twitter or nothing like that. I'm not fixing to go 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 tweeting nobody. But um, I, I do. I, I mean, college football is is more entertaining than any other sports to me because the the kids are really trying. It's college football to me is a showcase for for kids' talent to be on the next level. And what they're doing is basically showing off what they got and what they can do for the NFL. And when you get in the NFL, you're a whole other player because you you don't have to really play until it's contract season. That's what most people do, and they lay down. There's no loyalty there, nothing like that. That's why I follow college football. And, and, and yes, I, I I do I do follow other teams, watching them, seeing what they're doing, who's doing what, are 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 certain players. You know, I I got I got a heart. You know, I, I care for other some other teams. I'm not gonna say that I dislike anybody, 
Um, I have teams that I do watch, but mm-hmm. Auburn's the only team that I personally care about. But I will watch other games. Yes, I I will, unfortunately, watch an Alabama game if my grandma's here. I won't just sit here and just watch it. I I, I will be known that I'll go to Sonia and house. I'll hang out with them guys. Those are great people. They are college fans. And to be honest, 100% honest, nobody does it bigger than them on a college football day. And I swear to God, because me, I'm a college football fan of one team. So I only care about watching Auburn. These summer guns got let. Two laptops on two different games. They got the TV in the living room on one game. You go downstairs, it's on another game. And then they got the other TV in the other room. It's on another game. They're full focused, 110% college football. They're fanatics. You see what I'm saying? They're fanatics with it. And I swear to God, it's a trip. When I went over there, hell, I thought I was at the ESPN studio. You know, there's so many TVs going on and laptops with different with different games, sportscasts. There, he's looking at me, telling me, "Hey, Tino, such such rush for 220 yards." I'm like, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what's going on or where I'm at. And he's still sending numbers out to me that I didn't know what what was going on. You know, that they got a they got a desk in their office with with, with a, a computer and then a laptop, and she swings around from one to the other. They got stats, they got numbers, they do it. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. They do it big at their house for college football. My house. You're only going to watch Auburn. But their house, you're watching Auburn, LSU, Arkansas, Tulsa, um, um, uh, Nicholas State, or whatever that is, uh, St. Nick State, and uh, a couple other schools, man. They do it, they do it pretty well. I don't think you too much see Ohio State on their TV, but you watch pretty much every other team. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's said a lot, you know. What you just did was bow out gracefully right here, and, and, and tonight so far you're in second place, which is not bad. I mean, two out of two is not bad, you know. But but I still right now, Jason and Sonia are number one on that junkie. I mean, if you can watch football while you're on the commode or in the shower or whatever, I mean, that's a, that's a junkie. I'm going to have to set my house up like that. I mean, they do. And they, see, in the bathroom – and everybody knows that Tino will use whoever's bathroom at any given point in time. Yes, I will. That's a true story. So I use their bathroom. They got tablet in their bathroom so they can watch the game and stuff in there. And when you hear them, <laughs> when you hear them when they call in on the phone, and it sounds like they're in the bathroom. Yes, they they're not in the porta john, but they're actually in their bathroom. They have the phone line and everything ran to the bathroom, <laughs> internet access everywhere throughout the house. They they make sure their Wi-Fi is hidden on all on all five on all eight cylinders throughout their house. Man, I believe it. So, so Tino, man, we're going to run through about eight games here before we get out of here, but anything you want to touch on before you go, buddy? Oh, yeah, yeah, your new sidekick tonight. Your new sidekick. This guy right here, I know, no, I, I don't know him that well. You know, he sounds like a great guy. I sound like he knows well, but he doesn't obviously know who South Carolina really is. Jadon Clowney takes this off, take advantage of this. Take, this. He must not know what a South Carolina defensive front is when you're running guys six six and better on a defensive line. Obviously, this guy needs a little knowledge uh, of what an SEC defensive line is about. Minus Clowney, with or without Clowney, if, if, you, if you follow anybody that follows South Carolina, they say that he's not the most athletic on the team. They're coming back-to-back with studs. And I think he's going to see that, you know, I heard him say earlier that he's going off what somebody else said about Clowney takes plays in and plays off. Um, If you're going to follow college football and SEC or something like that, you need to really research it and understand that South Carolina, from point A to point B on that defensive line, backups and starters are AA caliber guys. I mean, they're coming and they're coming at you from all different angles. Minus Clowney, with or without Clowney, they still got the same amount of pressure. Clowney's just a freak athlete. He's one of the best ever, but 
I'm saying point up from from starting to finish. Even without Clowney, they're still they're still gonna put pressure on North Carolina, hands down. And Virginia Tech, that point spread. I, I pray that Alabama doesn't drag them boys, man, because I don't want Virginia Tech just to get discouraged and, and kids give up on the season that early in the season. Because Alabama will take it out of you. As an R. Robinson, he didn't even want to play quarterback no more last time Alabama met him. So um, I hope I hope Virginia Tech can can stand the pain a little bit. Um, y'all guys have a great show, Tarvino. I see you all Saturday. Sonya, y'all are the y'all are the, most, y'all are the best college fans I ever seen in my life, man. Hands down. Well, thanks, Tino, and uh, thanks, Sonya, Jason, for calling in. So right now, Cuervo, the the Junkie Award, the College Football Junkie Award, goes to Jason and Sonya. Do you agree? One hundred percent. All right. Well, without further ado. Coach Derek Lett for the Tennessee Volunteers is with us, and we're going to spend a few minutes with him before we go through our breakdown. And I'm going to bring him on now. Coach Lett, how are you? Doing well, doing well. How y'all guys doing tonight? Oh, we're doing good. Cuervo's with me tonight as a co-host, and and he's a big ball fan, so I had to set him up specially for this tonight, Coach. Well, Cuervo, how you doing? Glad uh, you're part of All Nation, man. How's everything going with you? I'm good, Coach. I'm good. How are you this evening? Well, tired but well. Are they are they are they working you hard right now the the week of football? <laughs> yeah, honestly, we just finished watching practice from today. We had we had a really good good go at it today. Nice tempo and whatnot. So we just finished watching practice today. So they're working us hard, but it's going to uh, pay off come Saturday, hopefully. So, so how is the the preparation going now that you named your starting quarterback? Everything's in order now. How is it this week compared to the last couple? Really, this week was we got more into uh, Austin P. Looks did a lot more scout team and stuff, and uh, really focused on what Austin P. is going to run on Saturday uh, compared to uh, going through training camps and seeing what guys can do what. Getting our offense in really well, getting our defense in, doing all our special teams, and doing a lot of good on good, ones on ones the last two weeks. And this week we did a lot more scout work to get ready for Austin P. And we grounded the guys uh, during camp. We we beat them down as far as uh, hitting drills and uh, how fast we were going. So we started to pull back a little bit so the guys could get their legs and they could start walking on water and be full speed on Saturday. So that's the biggest difference is uh, you pull back a little bit, starting to, and uh, a lot more scout work. Get ready for Austin P. You have a schedule. Uh, we talked about the last time you were on, Coach. It's just, you know, you play a, a two games that, that you're favored in that, that you should win, but every game's a game. You have to play it on the field. So are the kids, are the kids looking – away from these two games, looking at that monster schedule you have coming up, or are you guys keeping them focused on the task at hand right now? We're keeping them focused on the task at hand. This team right here, Team 117, has not won a game yet. So we uh, we letting these guys know Austin P is the only opponent on our schedule. And uh, this is this we, we, we know this is their guy's Super Bowl. So they're going to come in Saturday ready to knock off the big bag SEC. So we know that. Uh, we got a lot of guys wanting to prove themselves. A lot of guys who are hungry who haven't made a name for themselves as far as in the college football world. And they, they're eager to show that they could, they're talented and they can play with the best. So these guys are hungry and they're, they're looking to showcase. And uh, right now they know Austin P's the first obstacle in the way. 
Definitely. Cuervo, uh, I'm going to turn this a couple of questions over to Cuervo since he's a huge ball fan. I think he's getting excited, Coach. <laughs> We're all getting excited. We're anxious. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, Coach, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking some time this evening. I know you, you're probably a pretty busy guy, but I want to talk about the running game real quick. You know, Worley is the quarterback. We all know that. That's 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 been, you know, set in stone. I want to talk about the running game, though. I know last year, um, you know, between Neil and Marlon Lane, uh, you know, they, they're two good, you know, in my opinion, they complement each other really well. What are you seeing from the running game so far as far as those two are concerned? Uh, is there anybody, is there one guy ahead of the other, or is it still or is it still pretty even as far as, uh, you know, the, the running game is concerned? They're both very, very talented running backs. Uh, they're both – it's pretty pretty even. You can't go wrong with either one. They both do things real well. Like you said, they complement each other really good. Uh, Marlon Lane is a little bit more shiftier than Rajon. Rajon a little bit more downhill. But Rajon, believe it or not, is uh, probably the fastest guy on the team. And uh, he showed it. We had a scrimmage a couple weeks ago uh, in the middle of camp, and uh, we, we had a situation where we put the ball on a negative one. Rajon Neal goes for 99 yards, outruns the entire secondary. So he shows showcase the speed right there. And then Marlon Lane is just constantly making highlights in practice, uh, making guys miss an open field. So these guys, they both do a lot of good things well. Marlon catches the ball really well at the backfield, so does Rajon. I mean, they, it's a great one-two punch. So on, on any given play, he's got both backs can run any given play. So it's a great it's a great problem, problem to have, especially in the SEC. Especially with our tough schedule, and uh, how they could be going through the uh, the peaks and valleys and whatnot. Great to have two backs that you could uh, depend on, so you don't have to one back not to carry the carry the workload. So it's a great problem to have. Yeah, definitely, and it, and it takes a lot of pressure, in my opinion, off of Justin. Um, you know, he's not he's not going to be asked to carry the the offense. You know, they they have a running game that they can rely on. So. Now, Coach, I, I remember the first time you came on this show and uh, you mentioned a receiver to to uh, keep an eye out on, and I still remember the name, uh, Marquez North. How is he looking now, now that we're three days away from uh, the first game uh, down there in Neyland Stadium, which, uh, you know, is the greatest place in my opinion. But um, how is he looking right now? Is is he ready to take on that that role as being one of the better, you know, Receivers on this football team. I can I can tell you right now when he puts his uniform on, he looks the part. I mean, he looks like a million bucks. Uh, we, was, we was all coach talking about it the other day. He walks out on the field, and uh, Coach Jones said that's what they're supposed to look like. He's six four, six five, two hundred twenty six pounds. I think he was after camp. I mean, he looks like a stallion. Uh, but he still has a little bit of ways to go, some growing things to do. But he made some big plays throughout camp. He made some big-time catches, some big-time routes. He's really, 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 really fast, especially for that size. He's really, really, really fast. He's going to be scared once he learns the receiver game and whatnot. We want to see what happens when uh, when Saturday rolls around and uh, there's 102,000 out there. He's from North Carolina, so he hasn't played in front of 90,000. We already have 90,000 tickets sold for Saturday. So it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Like you said, the best stadium in the country. So we want to make sure uh, we're going to see what he got. But uh, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a pretty good, good receiver. He has a lot to work on, though. But natural talent-wise and body-wise, 
he's he's well put together. So with Coach Z and myself, I think he's gonna be he's gonna try to be a pretty good receiver. Did he remind you of anybody that uh you know that, that you've worked with in the past or just just anybody in general that you've seen as far as playing wide receiver? Does he remind you of anybody specifically? A lot of guys, believe it or not, uh, say uh, last year say they put him in the mind of Cordell Patterson, who just got drafted by the Vikings. Big and fast, and just hard to take down. He's that type of guy, and uh, that's what they put him in mind. He, he looks really good. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a pretty good receiver here. I don't want to throw him too much sugar yet until he plays on, a, on an actual game, but uh, he looks he looks pretty good. And uh, a lot of guys who play with Cordell said he's almost just like Cordell Patterson. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's a good comparison. I mean, you know, good possession receiver. I, I think I think that's exactly what Tennessee needs to continue to bring as far as the passing game. Coach, I want to talk real quick about uh, about next year's recruiting class. Uh, so far, you guys have been, you know, just absolutely knocking it out. I mean, it, it's what is it top, uh, you know, top three right now? Uh, Twenty four recruits altogether. What's been the key to bringing in? Guys for the future, um, you know. I mean, is is it Coach Jones? I mean, what specifically is it? What kind of message are you sending to these guys that are saying, you know what? Yeah, I want to go play for the Big Orange. So, what, what, what kind of message are you guys sending to these guys? Well, first of all, one of the things is Tennessee is one of the most winning programs in all of college football, and you know, our message we want to get Tennessee back to its rightful place, right at the top of college football, and the heart and center of college football. And guys want to be a part of that. We also got really, really the best facilities in the country, hands down. Our stadium is number one. Our, our new indoor facility that we just built, new weight room, new players lounge, new team center. These guys get We have the best facilities in the country. And these guys like that. When uh, Coach Jones, the biggest thing is Coach Jones. Like he always says, people make a place. And uh, Coach Jones does a phenomenal job. And the guys just gravitate to him and our coaching staff. And the relationships that we build with these guys is just they, it make, they they want to come in and be a part of something that we're building. And uh, Coach Jones is, is leading the troops, and uh, they just they just it's a place that you gravitate to. You can't help but know the tradition of Tennessee. And once they see Neyland Stadium, we put, when these guys come on campus and they see Neyland Stadium and just see the tradition, we show them uh, the the wall walk and. and Smoky, all of that. They can't help but be drawn to it. And uh, our recruits are doing a pretty good job recruiting each other. These guys calling them, hey, come jump in the boat. We're going we're gonna to win number seven here. This class is going to win number seven. Get us, get, come join us, and we're going to take, we're going to bring Tennessee back to where it needs to be. It's right of place. So that's that's the biggest thing, and uh, we're having fun with it. Uh, so hopefully it lasts. I mean, it's a long time to sign in there. A lot can happen. It's a long time to sign today. So, right now we're in the top three, and uh, we appreciate that, but we're going to keep working because, like I said, it's a long time to February. And, Coach, um, Coach, this is Brian. And a question I have for you is you, you are number two in recruiting right now with 24 commits, and it is a long way away. I'm not sure of the number that you can sign this year. So, how do you go about – you know, courting other players really in this class. If you're close to that number, how do you how do you go about doing that to make sure you don't oversign? Well, it's a good problem to have because you could be extra selective of guys that you really want to bring in. And uh, we have a lot of 
in this new day and age, a lot of guys want to early enroll. So uh, if you early enroll in December or January, depending on how many scholarships you signed in the previous year, you can use them on the back end from the previous year. So we have a extra scholarship to hold. We got more than 25 that uh, is a lot of each year. So we got guys who want to early enroll. That allows us to get the extra scholarships and whatnot. So that's basically how we do it. And the, and the guys, like, like we say, now we can say we want we have a spot for two defense ends. We're going to get the best defense ends in the country. And that's how it works. Okay. And that's, I mean, recruiting is so important in college football now. It's it's like it's, other, it's another season. I mean, it's year-round, really, recruiting is. And and how important, and I know this, I'm not trying to be a, make a dumb question, but how important is getting to a bowl this year to to continue that recruiting that I mean you guys are going strong right now you're you're in the top in the country I mean how important is it being on the field to get to a bowl game this year to keep that that streak going really bowl games are huge uh one kids high school kids want to be involved with winners so you're in a bowl game obviously you're a winner so that's one thing that uh is huge because recruits want to be a part of a winning program also, another bowl game, another thing that bowl game brings is extra 25 practices. I think it's 25, maybe 15. Extra practices throughout the, uh, the course of the bowl season. So that's more work for you, for your team to develop. That also improves on your, on, your, on your squad. However, everybody loves the bowl games and the bowl gets and all it brings. So that's the biggest thing, getting to a bowl game, showing the progress, showing all the extra bowl gear, playing on TV, Things like that. That's the biggest thing about it. And recruits, they asked about it. We haven't been to bowl game in a couple of years, but we're headed back. That's one of our goals this year is uh, go to a bowl game. It's on our board. It's in all our meeting rooms. So we will be uh, shooting to go to a bowl game this year. And recruits, they they look at that. Even though it's a thousand bowls now, but we go to we go to some of the good bowls, and that's our goal this year. It's being one of the ones that play uh, that's on TV. That's a, that's a great goal to have, and I, and I personally think you're going to get that goal. And, Coach, I know you're real busy right now. We're going to let Cuervo ask another question before we go. But, again, thanks for, for joining us tonight. I know you're real busy. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. All right, yeah, Coach, one, one last one last question for you. Um, you know, Tennessee, you know, they, they've, they've obviously haven't been up to the standard as we've seen in the past. Um, you know, just for this year alone, I like personally, like you said, you're just getting back to a bowl game. That's what I would like to see. But, you know, in reality, what are, what are your guys' expectations for this season? Not, and not, not even necessarily wins and losses. I, I'm saying just from, from a team standpoint, what, even if you guys only win three games, what are some things you could probably take from a season like that and say, you know what? we're moving in the right direction. Is it identifying, you know, guys that are going to become leaders? Is it guys that, uh, that you can, you can build off of? I mean, what are, what are some things that say if Tennessee doesn't have a great season this year, what are some things that you could look back at this year and say, you know what, that's something we have look, to look forward to. Well, the first thing when you turn on the family see Tennessee this year, you're going to see a team that's going to lead the country in effort. We're going to be the hardest-working team in the country. That's the most important thing. And uh, so that's our biggest goal this year is to lead the country in effort. You're going to see us play great special teams. 
You're going to see us take care of the ball. You're going to see us develop our young talent. And that that right there is our, is our, one of our goals and plans to, to get this program back to its rightful place. So great special teams, take care of the ball, and lead the country in hard work and effort. Those three things right there, that, and that's what you're going to see return on Tennessee football. Forget the wins and losses. Forget the scoreboard. You're going to see guys who actually love the game of football, play with passion, they're relentless, and play with that hard edge and lead the country in hard work. That, that's it. And then let the uh, win and losses fall where they may. By the end of the day, when we turn that, when you turn that film on, Tennessee will be the hardest working team in the country. Man, that's that's some good stuff. I'm fired up, Coach, and I'm an Auburn fan, so I'll I'll have two teams that that I'll be pulling hard for this year. Uh, my family is Tennessee as well, so I'm excited to see what you guys can do. But Coach, before you go, there's somebody that wants to say hello to you. Well, hello, Coach Litt. How we doing? How we doing? You all right today? I am. I just got Jason and I just won. What was it? Um, what were we? College football junkies award. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I, 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 call, I got it. I got it right at the very end. I heard that. <laughs> and how are you? I, I, I can I can see that. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, going on about three or four hours of sleep, but other than that, I'm doing well. I know I can see, uh, and I have to. I have to wish you and Andy a belated happy anniversary. I saw that post, but I uh, think you were you were working <laughs> your twenty four hour days. And yeah, we're in the middle of two day camp on our five year anniversary, and uh, we had made these big plans last year before I came to the college level, and uh, obviously we couldn't do those plans because of two day camp. So I'll make it up to her anniversary <laughs> fifteen or something. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> well, we, we're we're trying to um, – we might get some tickets to come see you guys when you play Bama. So, if so, you better keep your cell phone on because you know your aunt's going to be calling trying to get the hookup, you know. I got to see you I at got least. You. I, I got you. I got you. It's going to be a great game. Then come on down to Tuscaloosa. It's going to be a good game. Well, we definitely will. And you know you're always welcome here. I know uh, it's going to be hard for you to make Saturday games, but you're always welcome here to the College Football Junkie Paradise. So, <laughs> but just wanted to tell you, we're so proud of you. Good luck. We're following the Vols. You've got us all excited. <clears throat> Everything that we're reading from not only the Vols fans and, and people that we know, it just seems like you guys are doing some. All positive. Just, it's awesome up there. So we're really excited. We want to see the Vols come back and, and be competitive again. So we're all rooting for you guys. Just keep us posted. Uh, we will. We go, we're changing the culture. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but uh... – Tennessee's back, baby. Well, Coach, I, I believe you, man. I'm sold. And I know Cuervo is, and a lot of listeners, the feedback that we've received, you know, with your interviews, a lot of Tennessee fans are excited. And we want to, again, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come and, and give us some insight on how it's going with the school. And hopefully during the season you can squeeze a couple minutes in your schedule to join us again. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, Coach. Good luck, buddy. We'll be watching you Saturday. Cuervo, I mean, it's always good to talk to a coach, and uh, just want to thank him again for coming on. Oh, definitely, especially when it's a Tennessee coach. Come on, Brian. It, it, it's always the best. See, I mean, that's a special night for you, and Bruce is listening right now, a big ball stand, and we have some more. Uh, guys, the Tennessee Volunteers are going to be back, and, and one thing that stood out in the call that I could tell is – the hunger that he has as a coach, and, and it's going to go down to the players, Cuervo. I mean, the players look at leadership, and 
and the mindset of their coaches and the attitudes. And I, I believe him. I, I really believe that Tennessee could be the hardest working team in college football this year. So I'm excited. Well, yeah, and that's why I brought it up. Even if they win two games this year, you know, Brian, I mean, you can you can take some positives out of it. I mean, you know, some people say, well, there's no such thing as a good, uh, you know, two and ten team in college football or whatever. You know, sometimes, like like he said, you know, sometimes the the wins and losses just fall where they do, and uh, it's a, it's a learning experience. So. Um, as long as the effort is there, and, and to me, that's the thing that has disappointed me the most when it comes to Tennessee is some some games, I just don't feel like the effort is there. You know, I was more disappointed with the Florida loss uh, because I just felt that they gave up in the second half. I, I just felt like they they thought that, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're hanging around. We're going to find a way to win this game, and they wound up losing, and uh you know, and and then you take the game like against Georgia last year, where I believe that game went into overtime, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, it, it just it just seemed to me I felt like that was a game that game against Georgia last year. They fought tooth and nail with Georgia from the beginning to the end. And even though they lost that game, Brian, I felt better about that Georgia loss than I did about that about that Florida loss because I just felt like they were giving more effort. Yeah, and, and, and you know, being an Auburn fan and watching that, I mean, it's sickening when you see a team not giving effort. They quit. I'd rather look, go 0-12 and, and fight every game than go 3-9 and nine and look like just quitters and losers. So I think the mindset has changed in Auburn. I think it's changed at Tennessee, and I think you're going to see it on the field. You might not see a – a nine or ten win season this year, but what you'll see is teams that are turning it around, and and the mindset is the first thing you have to change in a team when you come over. I don't care if it's a management job, you're going into a company, you have to come in and change the mindset. Um, but it's very important, Coach Let. Thank you for coming on and sharing with us. I know you're a very busy man right now, and and it means a lot, that, and especially the Tennessee Nation out there to be able to hear from you. And Saturday, Cuervo, the big game, Austin P. On paper, it looks easy, but it, it's not always easy. So you'll be able to see Tennessee win big this weekend, and let's see how they play in the fourth quarter when the second and third strings in there. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to go. So let's move on, Cuervo. So far we went over Bama, Virginia Tech, South Carolina, North Carolina, but tomorrow night a huge game in the SEC. And Brandon talked about it earlier. Ole Miss is going to Vanderbilt, and, and I've said this as well. This game is so important to both teams. The loser of this game could be headed for disaster, but I think the winner could take a step up and, and get the seven wins this year. Give us your predictions on this game, Cuervo. Uh, yeah, Brian. When I, I mean, this is obviously, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an SEC game, so, um, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any more important than that in reality, so – uh, you know, when I when I look at this game, I mean, you know, Vanderbilt is a team that a lot of people are high on this year. A lot of people like them. And, you know, they get to start off their season at home against an Ole Miss team that, uh, you know, they – they some people like them and, and whatnot. I just don't – I don't know what you're going to get, though, with Ole Miss. Uh, you know, last year – they finished the season uh, six and six, and they you know they did win their bowl game though, so that was a that was a good way to finish the season on a positive note. Nice win against Pitt, um, you know it just 
you know, I, I felt like they were very up and down last year. So I think uh, when it when it comes down to it, though, um, this is a home game for Vanderbilt. I expect them. I expect them to win this game. You expect Vanderbilt to win? Yes. Okay. Well, looking at this game, I mean, the line is three and a half. Ole Miss is favored. I do like Ole Miss in this game, and it's and it's because it's not the road game. I mean, Vanderbilt's at home. I don't think it's too much of a home field advantage. I just think Ole Miss has too much offense for Vanderbilt to hold up four quarters. And at the end of the game, talent shows up, and in that fourth quarter, I think Ole Miss pulls away too much, too many weapons on that team, really. Uh, Vanderbilt will be able to move the ball a little bit, but at the end of the day, Cuervo, I don't think Vanderbilt has what it takes on the offensive side of the ball to be able to score with Ole Miss, and, and that's why I like Ole Miss starting this season off 1-0, um, taking it. Sonia picks Ole Miss, and Paul pointed out Vandy lost some key players. It's going to be a very close game. Jonathan's picking Ole Miss as well, but at the end of the day, I think Ole Miss pulls it out, and that'll move us on to the next game we're going to talk about um, you know, the SEC goes in and plays Oklahoma State here. Mississippi State in a neutral side. I think it's at Reliance Stadium. Cuervo, Oklahoma State and some people's predictions and minds are going to win the Big 12. Does Mississippi State have what has what it takes to actually keep this game close against an explosive offense? Uh, close, maybe, but I seriously doubt it. Um, I, I think Oklahoma State just – like you said, too, too powerful on the offensive side, and uh, I, you know, I, I expect uh, Mississippi State to, you know, it, it, I don't, I don't see them keeping it close for very long. So I like Oklahoma State. Yeah, I like Oklahoma State minus thirteen and a half in this game. Mississippi State. I think early on, I think Oklahoma State is going to punch them in the mouth. And, and they have a good quarterback, Mississippi State. But at the end of the day, it's just too much pressure they're going to be putting on. But look for Mississippi State to stand up. And after Oklahoma State talking about those unconditioned defensive linemen and maybe play good for three quarters, but I just don't think they have what it takes, you know, to get through it. But Oklahoma State's going to win this game. And, and that takes us to a game I put it on the list. Auburn is at home, favored 16 points over Washington State. To the nation, this is not a big game, but but this is a big game for Auburn right here. Three and nine season, new coaching staff, new quarterback, a night game in Jordan Hare Cuervo. Any chance Washington State can pull the upset? Well, let's hope not, Brian, for your sake. Um, but I, I don't think so. I, I think I think Washington State going into an SEC crowd uh, for their first game at nighttime. Yeah, that just spells disaster, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you talked about new coaching staff and stuff like that. I think if you're, uh, you know, if you're Auburn, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I heard Nick Marshall is going to be starting quarterback, is he not? He's going to be the starting quarterback, and it wasn't even a battle, guys. They made it act like this was coming down to the wire. That was set in stone when Gus Malzahn took a job. Yeah, so, Brian, you definitely got what you were hoping for. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure it's for good reason. You know, they, I, I mean, like you said, I mean, it wasn't even close. So, uh, I definitely expect Auburn to start their season off on a really high note. So, uh, you know, for, for those Auburn fans out there, hey, it, it's going to be it's gonna be a good way to start your season off. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think, and here's the deal, Cuervo. I heard the other day Washington State had their scrimmage. They ran 105 plays in this scrimmage. Out of the 105 plays, they ran the ball three times. So being one-dimensional on the road at night against a team, they can't run the ball. They have three walk-on linemen, I think, on their team. So I think Auburn wins this game big, guys. This is the value bet, and, and you can't – Say it's because I like Auburn. I picked against them about eight times last year in the spread. So looking at this game, I think this is going to be a big win for Auburn. I mean, it's Washington State. They're the worst team in the Pac-12. But I think Auburn puts up a lot of points. Cuervo, they get some rhythm going. They move the ball. They just need repetition. They need a lot of plays ran. I think the defensive line will kill this team. And I think it's going to be a blowout, honestly. A night game in Jordan-Hare, the fans are going to be pumped up. So we will see. I think everybody agrees with us on that game. And the next game, Florida State at Pittsburgh, Cuervo. I mean, this is not a huge game in people's eyes, but to me, I think it's a big game. At Pitt, on the road, you have uh, Florida State with a freshman quarterback. Cuervo, this has, I mean, not an upset written on it, but you better watch out for Pittsburgh in this game if you're Florida State. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to start the season off and and take your opponent lightly. You know, I mean, that that's the biggest mistake that teams make. I mean, we've seen it happen before. I mean, you know, Michigan uh, losing to I believe that it was it was in the first week, wasn't it? That the Appalachian State game, I think that was week one of the season. And then you had uh, you know when when Oklahoma lost to a, to a TCU team that wasn't quite there yet. I mean, it happens. So, I mean, for Florida State, this, you know, they, they're just going to have to be careful. They're going to have to be focused. And I, and I think they I think they will. Um, I, I fully expect Florida State to win. I, I don't think I see an upset happening here. Jonathan's on the line with us, and Jonathan's a big Florida State fan. Jonathan, I know Winston's a, a redshirt freshman, but the guy has a lot of talent. Give us, give us real quick what you think about this game. Does Florida State have a chance to, to be upset on the road against a, a Pittsburgh team joining this conference? Well, there's there's always an, a chance for an upset. There really is. Um, I mean, you know, we'll, we're, you know, we'll say that there's no chance Oregon loses Saturday. But there really, you know, there's a there's always a chance that Oregon could stumble, just like there's a chance Florida State or Alabama or anybody could stumble. I'm confident going into this game because I like the way our defense looks. And after seeing the depth chart and seeing our starting offensive line, I'm really comfortable that we're going to run the ball real heavily uh, against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is replacing so much that on offense that we should be able to control them defensively. Yeah, I look for Winston. If he's going to be the man, he's going to have to prove it game one. I want to see – I mean, this guy's special. I mean, he was recruited heavily. He's a baseball player. He's got a big-time arm. He can make plays with his feet. Jonathan, I think this is the game that he has to come at in. And it's kind of his coming-out party, if you will. On the road, I think he has a chance to, to get everybody on his side with a big performance on the road. Oh, of course he does. I mean, this is going to be – this is a huge game for uh, Jamise because if he stumbles, you know, we have a bye week the next week before we, uh, we post Nevada. If he stumbles, Coker could easily step into the job. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm, – I'm not, I'm not cocky and I'm not overly confident. I'm comfortable with our position for this game. Just like, you know, I'm feeling really well right now that we could start here 
you know, 5-0. and up. But, you know, it's really going to see how Winston comes along. You know, I'm not comparing him to Johnny Manziel, but we saw Manziel had speed bumps before he got to that Bama game, you know, Florida and LSU. So it'd be fantastic to see Winston be able to progress and look really well really early, especially against, let's face it, subpar competition. Yeah, the Florida State Seminoles and Jonathan Buddy, thanks for joining us on this. Uh, we're going to speed through a couple of these games here uh, to be able to wrap it up at 11 o'clock. Florida State minus 10.5. Jonathan likes it, what, 23 to 6. Cuervo, do you like Florida State covering the spread in this game, 10.5? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I don't even think it's going to be close, uh, Brian. I think they, they go way beyond that. Yeah, I think Florida State takes care of business in this game. Just too athletic. Pittsburgh uh, is not used to playing teams with this much talent. This Florida State team has talent everywhere at every position. Winston's a stud, guys, and he's going to prove it in this game, and it's going to be interesting. I like Florida State laying the 10-and-a-half. Easy money here, but don't don't be shocked if, if something happens. A freshman quarterback, you just never know. The next game that's interesting to me because I like Northwestern and you, you're a Northwestern fan, Cuervo. Northwestern at Cal. I think this is a huge game for Northwestern to get a win in this game, being on the road. I mean, it, it can really impact their season. If they lose this game, you never know what can happen. But they're favored five and a half on the road at Cal. And this Cal Bears team's terrible, Cuervo. So, in my opinion, I like Northwestern taking care of business against Cal. I think they score a lot of points in this game. Yeah, I, I think they do I, as well, Brian. I mean, um, you know, Coach Fitzgerald, we've we've talked about him in the past, and, um, you know, he's going to have his team ready to go. Uh, you know, last last year they had their first, uh, you know, bowl win in quite some time. So it, it's, you know, that's that's a lot of positive to feed off of, believe it or not. And, and, and I really think that, uh, you know, Northwestern's going to go out there and you're going to see a very – fired up, very motivated team. They're going to go out there and going to play hard for Coach Fitzgerald. So, yeah, definitely go Cats. Yep, Jonathan likes them as well. Uh, taking Northwestern to cover it. Northwestern's a good football team, and they're well coached. I think being on the road will be tough. I mean, these guys are used to playing at 11 o'clock in their stadium. So we'll see how that goes. And another interesting game here, we have a ranked Boise State team on the road at Washington, and believe it or not, Cuervo, Boise's an underdog by three points to Washington. How do you see this game uh, panning out here? I like, to me, I like Washington being at home. I think they're going to have a good season. I think Boise, you know, they used to, they're used to getting off to very good starts in the season. I think they run into a roadblock here. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I could very well see that happening as well, and. and you know, I don't know exactly. I don't follow Boise State as far as their schedule every year verbatim and things like that. But um, from the past, from what I remember, anytime Boise State starts their season off on the road, it's uh, you know it, it doesn't it doesn't end well as far as the first game is concerned. So I remember when they went to Georgia. Uh, heck, even even last year, you know, they lost to Michigan State. So I mean, uh, you know, in the past that they haven't fared very well as far as, you know, starting their season out on the road. And, um, and I, I mean, I think, I think this could happen again to where Boise State might, you know, they might fall to the Huskies in their first game. Yeah, Jonathan likes uh, Boise in this game. I like Washington. I like them just 
of their home, and and I think this is the year for the coaching staff and this team to either put up or shut up. Um, this is a huge game, and people aren't talking about it much, but to me, I'll be keeping my eye on it. Well, guys, we have two games left on this schedule, and they are huge, and it, they do have national implications on it. We'll start with LSU and TCU at a neutral site. I think this is in Dallas, Cuervo. I mean, everybody's whispering upset. TCU's going to beat LSU. You know, Mettenberger's not good. TCU's ready. But are you buying the TCU hype, being able to hang four quarters against just a mammoth LSU team? No way, no how. And there's nobody that's going to convince me any different. I mean, LSU is just, you know, they – they they start their season out every year like this, uh, neutral site against a big time opponent, and this is this is just another day from Les Miles and his squad, Brian. So I fully expect LSU to win this football game with, in my opinion, with no problem. Well, last year when I saw this TCU team, I mean they struggled against physical. I mean they didn't play physical like the TCU's of the in the years past, and. If they're not ready to play physical, Cuervo, they're going to get manhandled. LSU, they're under the radar right now, and it's dangerous. When LSU is under the radar, they tend to perform well. I mean, I'm not thinking LSU is going to have just a monster season, but they'll have a good season. I just don't think TCU has what it takes to hold four quarters. If Mettenberger doesn't get the game away in less miles, I think LSU will win this game by a touchdown. The point spread is five. LSU's favored five at this moment. I think they cover it barely. But LSU is not, not known to blow teams out with this offense. But I look for special team plays and defense to create some points. So Jonathan has TCU winning this game, something like 20 to 17. And I don't see Paul's prediction right now. Um, Lacey, if you want to give your prediction, go ahead. Jason Humphrey said it's a coin flip. Paul, you ain't sticking LSU. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is a big-time game. And I like these games early, Cuervo. So we got LSU, Jonathan's picking TCU, so we'll see if he's right. And This brings us to our last game, the big game of the Saturday. College game day will be in Death Valley, the second Death Valley, not the first, in Clemson. The Georgia Bulldogs are a two-point favorite on the road at Clemson. This has a, a making of a very high-scoring game, Cuervo. Yeah, it, it does. It does, Brian. And, I mean, you know, you got you got two – in my opinion, talented quarterbacks and uh, Taj Boyd and Aaron Murray. And, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, this this could be a high-scoring game. But then again, we I mean, we could be overlooking these defenses as well. But um, I, I, I think there's going to be some points put up here. Um, I like – I'm leaning, and maybe this is just the SEC homer in me, Brian, but – I'm leaning a little towards Georgia. Like I said, I mean, from and, and I've stuck with it, and I'm not going to get away from it. I'm just not that big of a believer in, in Clemson this year. I think they lost, you know, a little too much on the offensive side, and uh, Boyd's not going to be able to do it by himself. So I, I like the Bulldogs. Yeah, I like, and it might surprise you, but I like Clemson in this game, and Jonathan Paul making some good points. Jonathan even mentioned – you look how Georgia starts the year. The thing that concerns me is that a team of Georgia lost a lot of defensive players. These defensive players are going on the road their first game of the season against Sammy Watkins and Taj Boyd. I mean, this offense can, can move. And Clemson can also, you know, look terrible at times. But I'm, I don't have any problems in Georgia scoring points. I don't see 
any issues with Clemson scoring, it's going to be really – it's going to come down to turnovers. And, and I know that sounds cliche, but being at home, I think that's going to help Clemson. This young Georgia defense, they could surprise us, Cuervo. This could be Georgia coming out party on defense for these new guys. But I like Clemson to squeak by and pull an upset at home. And, and Georgia's got a tough schedule after this as well. And Clemson only has one or two – about two more games left. So this is huge for Clemson, I think, more than it is Georgia right now. Well, it is, and I mean, you know, especially for people that that aren't sure about Clemson, you know, that this is—I mean, for both teams in reality. But um, and this could start the campaign for for Taj Boyd too for Heisman Trophy. I mean, that's another big thing to think about too. Is you know, maybe maybe uh, Boyd has that on his mind that he wants to compete for that trophy. So you know, he's going to have to go out there and he's going to have to show what he's made of and. What better way to do that than uh, go out there and have a good game against a team like, you know, a top-five team in Georgia? Yeah, and Jonathan made a great point. I mean, you know, Clemson loses this game, their season's over, no national championship. Georgia loses this game and wins out, finishes 11-1 and and plays the SEC championship. They control their own destiny to get there. So this game is huge, and I'm not a big Dabo Sweeney guy, I'll be honest with you, but he beat Auburn last year, and that was before Auburn quit. He ended his season beating an LSU team, so he couldn't beat South Carolina. I'm, I, I don't think Georgia's as physical right now as South Carolina is. This is going to be a good game. I, I, that's all I want to tell you about this game. It's going to be a very good game. It might be sloppy at times, but it's going to be entertaining. So I'm going to have to DVR this one. That's one thing bad about going to football games, Cuervo, is you miss games like this live. Yeah, exactly. and that's why I'm just going to sit here at, in my house. Um, I'm not going to have, you know, 20 TVs all over my house, but I'm I'm going to be definitely paying attention to everything. So, um, but, yeah, but that's why I'm just going to be here so I can catch everything, uh, you know, week one. It, you know, it's here. It's here, Brian. It's here. So let, let's get it going. It is here. And Jason Humphrey has Clemson winning that game because it's been Clemson. That's a good reason. And, uh, man, it's going to be fun. We are here. Tomorrow night starts college football, and we're pumped up. And don't think we won't be bringing you a show Sunday night with this, you know, college football. We have a lot to break down. We're going to break college football down, and we're also going to talk some NFL football. So, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brandon, for coming on, Coach Lett, Sonia, Jason, Jonathan, everybody that helped Cuervo. We really appreciate you stepping in tonight and co-hosting the show and Trey's absence and everybody remember to keep Trey in your prayers going through a lot right now with his family so lift him up in your prayers and Cuervo is here I'm pumped up I will be waking up early in the morning hitting the gym at 5 a.m. getting the the eye of the tiger out getting ready to roll for tomorrow night (laughs) (laughs) all righty then I mean it's going to be good I mean at least uh at least we're not getting you know too many uh, not important games. We're going to get some important games come first night of the season, come tomorrow. I mean, you know, we're going to get to see South Carolina. We're going to get to see, um, you know, and for for people that are interested in in the USC Trojans, they're going to be playing late tomorrow night. And then, um, you know, there, there's some other games. Uh, Old Miss Vanderbilt is going to be another good one. So there, there's some there's some decent college football uh, on a Thursday night. So. But I know, I know you've got you've got a problem with the fact that you know preseason is going to be on at the same time. 
I do. I mean, how do you put preseason football on when college football starts? It's just beyond me, and uh, it's crazy. And, hey, just to give a shout-out, some games. Minnesota's at home tomorrow night at 7 Eastern playing UNLV. This is a chance for the angry Gopher to get a win and get the Gophers rolling. 13-and-a-half-point favorites. I, think, I like them to cover that. It's going to be about exactly that. And looking at the games, USC, uh, Hawaii, like you said, a lot to look forward to there. But, hey, we have football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Florida State ends it with us. So, man, I'm pumped. That's five straight days of college football. And besides Saturday, I'll be glued to the TV. And I'll probably stay up all Saturday night when I get back from Auburn watching all the games. <laughs> watching the same replays over and over, but it, it just it just seems like it's it's you know you're watching something new, but in reality you're not. But but I mean that's how that's how exciting people are going to be. You know you'll just you'll just watch highlights just to watch them over and over. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great day, uh, Brian. Um, you know Tennessee Tennessee kicks their season off, and uh, you know the, hopefully the uh, the Vols will give me an. Uh, you know, the best birthday present I can ask for, a Tennessee win on Saturday. And, and we'll play you happy birthday on Sunday as well, Cuervo. But to everybody, thanks for listening. Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us. You don't have to get up and go to work Monday. Make sure you join us. And we'll be back Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern again. Thanks, Cuervo. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we appreciate it, and we'll see you Sunday.